Welcome to Unite Immigrant Families. I'm Rosemary Vega, an immigration attorney with over 20 years of experience uniting and keeping families together. If you are looking for immigration information, stick around and listen to me and my fellow immigration attorneys as we discuss what's new and debunk myths. Please note, this is not legal advice and no legal advice will be given on this podcast. Hi, and welcome back to Unite Immigrant Families. Today, we have my really good friend, Magali Candler. She's an excellent immigration attorney here in Houston, Texas. Um, And she's also one of my mentors, which I'm really grateful because she has taught me so much. Um, And today, we're going to talk about a new policy memo or a new law. Magali, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I love being here. And of course, you're an excellent attorney. And I'm so proud of having been your mentor, but also I'm very happy to be your dear friend. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So Magali, today, I, you know, I've been getting so many calls, so many, you know, consults and people are saying, hey, I hear there's this new law. Um, It sounds like I can, I can uh, get my new papers. I can get my papers. And I'm telling these people there is no new law and there's no new law from what I see. What I do see is there's some policy memos that have come out. And one in particular that I do want to talk about um, dealing with the three and tenure bar. Um, And so Magali, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about this memo and, or maybe you can explain to us what the three and tenure bar is. Okay, yes, let's, the the memo came out on June 24th, and that's right, it has to do with the three and 10 year bar, not a new law, just a change in the way the government is uh, interpreting the law and allowing people to maybe have an opportunity in the future to get past this three and 10 year bar waiver, uh, waiver, three and 10 year bar without needing a waiver. So let me explain, if you are in unlawful presence or have accrued between um, six and under six months and under a year of unlawful presence, generally speaking, in the United States, and you leave the United States, you trigger a three-year bar, generally speaking. You know, there's a little bit of an exception if you're in court and you've done it before you were ordered removed, or if you did it with voluntary departure. But we're not going to get into those details. But generally, so people know, if you've been accruing unlawful presence for at least six months, but under a year, like, you know, then three-year bar. If you've done so, that... Magali, oh, yes. mm-hmm. Magali let, let me give you a scenario for the three-year bar. Okay. So let's say we have uh, a child who is been here undocumented for, let's say, five years. And okay. then they turn 18. And they do not have DACA. And they're able to adjust their status or maybe, maybe not adjust their status. Maybe they have to consular process. Okay. Um, but when do they start accruing unlawful presence? Well, they start accruing unlawful presence in your scenario when they turn 18. Children are not accruing unlawful presence. Uh, someday, maybe you and I can do a podcast only on the permanent bar. Right. <laughs> it's a whole other issue for children. Right. But as far as the section of law 
that you're talking about, which is a three and 10 year bar that this memo addresses, it is, um, they don't accrue unlawful presence until they turn 18. If they have DACA, then they're not approving, not accruing it. But that's why I know you said they don't have DACA. They don't have anything. They don't have TPS. They have TPS. They also would not be accruing unlawful presence. But if they, you know, don't have anything like TPS or DACA protecting them, then you're right. They start accruing unlawful presence the minute they turn 18. And let's say they leave the country after being here six months. But before a year, they would or could be triggering that three-year bar. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So that's mm-hmm. that's the scenario. For, you know, for a three-year bar. For the three-year bar. of course, there's the 10-year bar. So with the 10-year bar, it's over a year, correct? It is. If you've accrued at least uh, 365 days, and I think it's like a year or more, mm-hmm. I'd have to, does it say over a year? I think it says a year. I believe it does say a year or more. I think so, too. And I'll double check while we're talking. But that's what I think it says, too. So if you've been accruing unlawful presence and you've been here unlawfully for a year and you leave, then you trigger a 10-year bar to the United States. And, you know, Rosemary, you were alluding to people needing waivers, possibly, for this. And the thing is, and you had mentioned it earlier, but and maybe when you and I were discussing it, but, you know, you, tr- you trigger that bar, either you wait 10 years or you apply for a waiver of the 10-year bar. Some people can uh, apply for that inside the United States before they leave, right? The majority of people who qualify for it. Problem is you need a spouse or a parent who's a U.S. citizen or a permanent resident. And if you are somebody... I don't know. You and I see so many people who've got adult U.S. citizen sons and daughters. If that's their only relative and they are petitioning for them, then that individual cannot apply for a waiver. And so they're kind of trapped here in the United States. They have the ability of getting uh, an immigrant visa, but they can't leave for the consular interview or they'll be separated from their family for a minimum of 10 years. So... This memo, I think, may address the situation for various people. And I know that you're going to want to explain the memo, and maybe we can come up with some scenarios of how we can see, you know, in our own practice from our clients, who might be able to be helped by this memo and how will they be helped. Right. So let's make sure that we get this straight. Let's say someone enters the United States illegally and they're here for Five years. And then they are, then they leave the United States. With permission or without or with advanced parole or just Let's leave it? Just they leave. just leave. They just oh leave. Okay. So they've At triggered. That point, they trigger a 10 year bar. Assuming they're an adult, I would say yes, they would trigger a 10 year bar at that point. That's right. Okay. And somehow, they enter the United States, let's say, with an H-2B. Okay, so they get permission in the future. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's say they're out in, let's say, Mexico for mm-hmm. oh, five years, and then they come back on an H-2B visa. Okay. And, and we're that's valid for... That they, 
Oh, for, yeah. For, and and what, that's valid year, for, let's say, a year or two years. Okay. And remember, um, we're assuming they told the truth at the consulate. Maybe they got a waiver of their 10-year bar with a maybe, non-immigrant maybe. visa waiver. Right, or right. maybe could they have committed fraud? That's possible. They could have committed and fraud. And we'll talk about that scenario later as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, but... Let's let's just assume, let's not talk about how they got the H-2B visa. Let's just say they entered with the H-2B got it. visa. Yes, somehow. So they enter with this H-2B visa. They're here for two years legally. And then all of a sudden, they just say, okay, well, I'm here. And now I get mar- my child who was born here will eventually turn 21, Will they be able to adjust their status in the United States? And will they need that waiver? Okay. Okay. That's a great scenario. Let's say they entered with the Uh H2B and their child is like, was 18. You know, again, you said they'd been here in the past, then they left. Maybe they've come and gone. Well, no, (laughs) but maybe they entered with an H2B a long time ago, right? And and the child, the child, and then, the, the child somehow turned twenty turned twenty one and became and somehow becomes a U.S. Daughter. citizen. Okay, right. we know we're going to see these scenarios. Yes, it's coming yes. up with the exact one, and of course, mm-hmm. you and I know too much, so that we will <laughs> think we can find, think. Oh no, this could happen too. Oh no, right. but right. let's just say the simple, simple scenario. Now they're here legally. They entered legally, but they did trigger a ten year bar. You know, for for purposes of permanent residency when they left. So we're assuming either they got the waiver of it for the non-immigrant H-2B or whatever. So now they're here legally. They're still here legally. Uh, Let's say it hasn't expired yet, their time. And their child now is 21. This memo would allow that person to start counting the time when they left Let's say they left, like you said, five years before. So they left Mex- They left for Mexico for whatever reason. They went back, triggered the 10-year bar, and then the time started counting when they went to Mexico. And I'm assuming we'll have to show that they left and they really stayed there. Mm-hmm. And they probably have all that evidence or they couldn't have gotten that H-2B. So right. then now they've got the H-2B. So we can. this memo will say that they're 10 years started counting when they left, and because they entered the United States legally and with permission, they can continue, uh, like, writing out or, you know, having that 10-year bar kind of run while inside the United States. So in that sense, it's a great memo. It's really great. It's not a perfect memo. It doesn't help the sad sad scenarios of the permanent bar, which we'll talk later. But the the um, example you gave me, great example. This memo will allow that gentleman or, or woman to wait their time here. Now, here's a problem. The H2B expires. Maybe they don't have a way of uh, extending it or changing status to anything else. Now they're here legally again. They've let it run out. But they've been told, listen, you can finish running out your 10 years here unless we deport you for some reason, you know? So technically, I guess this memo would allow them to stay here and finish, like, let's say, five more years, right, of being here. Or even seven. 
Because if well, they're, yeah, right. they're exactly. inherited, so then we need exactly. three more years. Exactly, exactly. So let's say they finish their 10 years. They go, look, when I left for Mexico in such and such a date, that's when my 10 years started running. I entered legally. I can keep, you know, accruing. I mean, you know, still whatever, letting the 10 years run. Mm-hmm. They're running while I'm inside the United States through a lawful entry. So even though my time expired here, I've hit 10 years now. Yay. My son or daughter can petition for me. And because I entered legally and I'm an immediate, an immediate relative so that it doesn't matter if I've overstayed now, they could adjust status inside the United States without the need for that waiver. I mean, that's really huge. I can see why people would think it's a new law. It's not really a new law. And again, even as I tell you the scenario, I can see how it's not perfect, but it's, Nice. It's something. It is. It it's gonna help very limited people, but yeah. it is gonna help people, right. and that. And I think that's the importance here. Is- yes, I will say this. Um, maybe I don't know. I, I've had to. I honestly, Rosemary, I have not come up, and maybe you have, and maybe if you have, tell me and or ask me, and we'll talk about it. I don't think I've got a good scenario where the person is entering on advanced parole and their 10 years are running because, again, under Arabelli and Yarabelli, generally, you leave, you're not triggering that 10-year bar. So I'm trying to think, I don't know that I can think of a good scenario with an advanced parole having being right. the lawful entry unless it was an advanced parole years ago i don't know i i well the only know, thing way i, I could see it, it is the way i could see it is if they not on an advanced parole but a humanitarian parole they they well, left there you go and there then they entered go, under a humanitarian parole so i could okay, see that after, after having triggered a 10-year bar yes that could be so that they were counting their time. Now they're being admitted on a humanitarian parole. That's a good example then. And so the time keeps running. Yeah, I like that. Right. That could be, that could be. Sure. However, let me give you this other scenario. Let's let's say his name is John. John enters illegally into the United States and he's been here for 15 years. And then John decides that he's going to go visit his dying mother in Honduras. So he leaves or, and he leaves and then he comes back illegally again. Yeah. We see this so much. I feel so bad when their family members are ill or dying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And granted this, this memo says, you know, with or without it, regardless of whether they enter with or without authorization. However, this memo only speaks to the three and 10 year bar. They're, they're only speaking to 212A9B, which deals with the three and 10 year bar. It doesn't speak to 212A9C, which is the permanent bar. Exactly, exactly. And that I think is the worst or the saddest part of this memo. Um, you and I were discussing this the other day, preparing for this, and I think we both agreed that there does not appear to be anything in the law under that permanent bar that would allow immigration to change their policy and allow that bar to run inside the United States. I would like that to be, and even while we're talking, I'll look at the law again, but 
I'm afraid not. And that is really sad, Rosemary. The people we see that really, really need some help are usually the people who have the permanent bar. Right. You know, I mean, this will help parents of U.S. citizens, of course, who could not have applied for the, you know, for the The waiver waiver of the 10-year bar when they go and they consular process. I've just been racking my brain. I don't know. I mean, because those people, if they're eligible for an advanced parole under TPS or something, and they come in, they can adjust status. They haven't triggered a 10-year bar. So the people that really need the help, the scenario you just gave, you're here illegally, you leave, you trigger a 10-year bar. Most of those people are people going back because not to have a party, not to just go visit. Usually it's because a family member is dying or very, very ill. And they don't understand that they're triggering a 10-year bar. And then they enter again illegally. Then they now they trigger the permanent permanent bar. bar. They just don't understand. Yeah, it it's a problem. They've triggered. It the really bar. is. So and in this scenario, that's right. And this memo, not only as you said, does not address that. But again, you and I were looking at it, and I wish that USCIS could address it, but it looks like they cannot. It looks like only only Congress could take this away. You know. Yeah. Yes, and you know, in this scenario, I'm giving you John. He triggered the permanent bar, and. That's right. I have seen so many scenarios like this and it really breaks my heart because I literally had a couple of consults and one had been here for, I think it was, I'm not sure if he was here for 15 years, maybe it was 10, I don't know, but a very long time. And he did leave to go see his dying mother before she died. And it just breaks your heart because then he comes back illegally and guess what? You've just triggered that permanent bar. And the problem with the permanent bar, you and I know it before our listeners, is that with the permanent bar, you cannot get your immigrant visa. You cannot adjust status here in the United States, even if you, um, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good scenario for that. Uh, Oh, if you're protected under 245I and someone had petitioned for you back when you were here in the year 2000, you were here in December of 2000, and somebody sponsored you before April 30th of 2001, even if you're protected by that and you've got a U.S. citizen son or daughter, 21 or older, you cannot have status. Or even a spouse, right? You're married to a U.S. citizen. I see this all the time, and it makes me so sad because it means the permanent bar says you cannot do anything without waiting outside the United States first for 10 years. And then you apply for permission to reapply for admission after deportation or removal, even though, you know, you may not have been removed. You also trigger the permanent bar by being deported and then trying to enter illegally. But regardless, so you're at, you're forced to wait 10 years outside the United States, and then you have to do an I-212 permission to reapply for admission and you nobody nobody's going to say oh i want to be separated from my u.s citizen spouse or from my adult son or daughter u.s citizen son or daughter because i've got to wait 10 years for that permanent bar what do they do they're just trapped here they're trapped here and again unfortunately this memo does not help and i actually think that you and i have had some 
clients or potential clients that think this memo is going to save them from that because they've been told by us, by our colleagues, and they get second opinions and we're like, no, we're really sorry. My colleague was right. You're subject to the permanent bar. I'm sorry you're protected by 245I, but that doesn't trump the permanent bar, unfortunately. So I don't know. I mean, it's super, super sad. I'm looking at the law right now, and I just don't see any way that, you know, they could go around this. We really need Congress to just do away with it, abolish it. What's the point of it? Punishing people who are otherwise eligible for immigrant visas. It's incredible. This means that they're punishing U.S. citizen family members, you know? They are. Uh, They're punishing U.S. citizen family members children. And it's just really unfortunate because a lot, families, of these, a lot of these people, it's the breadwinner who are the ones yeah, who are yeah, getting it's a really inhumane, inhumane law. I did not mean to speak over you. How inhumane really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Magali, really quick. Um, we've talked about this memo and I know I just wanted to make sure our audience got that cleared up because I think it's, it's important, but another memo recently came out Um, I believe it was Friday, July 1st, Um, and that's dealing with TPS. And I know we'll talk about this because we're running out of time now, but we'll talk about this in another podcast. But I just did a podcast on TPS before this memo came out. And so, yeah, so I really wanted to, to tell our listeners, hey, there's like a new update on TPS and advanced parole. Yeah, yeah, it is exciting. Again, not a change in law, but it's a change in the interpretation. I like it. I mean, we had all our clients that were freaking out if they had traveled on advanced parole while they had TPS after August 20th of 2020. And now, you know, they were told, oh, sorry, if you traveled after this date, we're not going to treat it as an admission. And so even if you're married to a U.S. citizen or have a U.S. citizen adult son or daughter, sorry, you can't adjust status if you traveled on advanced parole on TPS after August 20th of 2020. It looks yeah. like they've got a reprieve and all of a sudden things might be okay for them. It's looking good. We're yeah. going to have to have a whole podcast on that. I think so. And I think I'm very excited because it looks like it, they're reverting back to their old policy. Yeah, I like which it. Which would be great. And I briefly looked at the memo. I'm sorry I haven't read it fully yet, but it looks like they're going to start issuing a different type of travel document specific for TPS uh, individuals who want to travel. So I'm very excited to see how this works out. Right, right. Me too. I just submitted somebody's advanced parole under TPS last week, and I'm assuming they will treat this person under this new policy. And so it's very good news for them. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm very very excited. excited. So we will, I hope our listeners anxiously await our podcast on this new memo dealing with TPS. Right. It's a long memo. I haven't read it either. It was like 24 pages. So we have a lot of reading to do on it and digesting it. Yes. Absolutely. Magali, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for listening to Unite Immigrant Families. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want more information about me or my guest, please email me at uniteimmigrantfamilies at gmail.com. 
We'll be back in a couple of weeks. I hope you join us on this bi-weekly podcast. No legal advice was provided and none will ever be provided on this podcast.